0: Welcome to episode 207 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, the Twippy Award-winning favorite pinball podcast in the world. I'm your host, Canada, and here's what we're going to do on episode 207. Um, we're going to go down the list of manufacturers, some new stuff to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about all this, the rumors and speculations surrounding Deadpool and Iron Maiden. I'm going to give it to you guys straight up. This is everything we know about Deadpool and Iron Maiden. You can take it or leave it. Um, and then we're just going to go over what's uh what's What's happening in the pinball world? How's that sound for a little short, digestible version of Canada's Pinball Podcast? So let's start out with a company that we haven't really covered in a long time. But I got a bunch of people who hit me up and they said, Chris, you really need to check out what's going on in the Attack from Mars remake thread right now. And read up on it. And I did spend the last hour reading up probably the last like four to five pages in that thread about warranty issues with Attack from Mars remake. Now I'm going to summarize to the best of my ability what I believe is going on and I'm going to read some stuff that people have posted in that thread itself. So basically here's long story short, certain people who have had issues with their play fields and cabinets um, have sort of explained that when they go to TPS and Chicago gaming uh, with warranty issues related to those larger areas, whether it's the cabinets that are cracking or play fields that are chipping or wearing in certain areas, uh, they are not getting a desirable response um, from Chicago gaming. Okay. And so here's, here's the thing that, that, that leads to our own sort of little discussion around playfield wear because I've seen a bunch of people, not everybody. Okay. But every once in a while we see that with these new games and with the new clear coat process that these companies are using, you know, people want the shinier glass, like playfield clear coat, um, those clear coats can chip. They can lead to wear. um, they can lead to dimples and time and time again, we know that playfields, uh, wherever there's a scoop, wherever there's a hole, uh, wherever there's an edge, right, th- those playfields will wear in those areas and they could also chip in those areas. And so, you know, I've, I've said this and I said this before, I first want to tackle this just from a pure sort of, come on, some of the onus has to be on the buyers of these machines to realize certain things. Why don't people why don't people who are collectors who want to keep their games as pristine and in good condition as possible, why don't they install cliffies and playfield protectors or put mylar down over areas of playfields that they know will will wear? They know will chip if there's no protectors there. Now, I would also say that Every pinball manufacturer out there is so silly now for not installing cliffies or metal playfield protectors or mylaring areas of the games that are prone to wear because you know that nothing good will come of you sending someone, you know, a six to nine thousand dollar toy that starts to wear. And have play fields chipping in the first year of ownership. You, you know, you're. It's just going to cause a complete headache for the manufacturers. And it's so much easier to install a $100 set of cliffy protectors into a game that costs $8,000 or $7,000, and be done with it, right? To to alleviate any potential headaches. And, and so, but that's not that's not what's happened. Okay, people have got the game. And they're seeing the clear coat chip. I mean, there's even some examples of people's shooter lanes chipping really badly to the point where there's like black underneath the shooter lane, which shows that when they cut out the shooter lane, there was an imperfection in the wood, so they put putty down and clear coated over that. Uh, all and you know what happens here too in these threads is that when people have a problem with their game, they post pictures. And oftentimes those people who are, you know, they're, they're suffering uh, their product being sort of, uh, uh, what's the best word to say, um, their product is having issues. Then you have the fanboys who attack those people for sort of over-dramatizing the problem or saying that it's not affecting a lot of games. It's only affecting your game. You shouldn't make such a big deal out of it. I'm sorry, but, you know, the reality is this, the internet gives a megaphone to everyone and if your game is having an issue you will scream until you get some sort of resolution from the company all right so we know that there are certain Attack for Mars remakes out there that are having play field issues and some have cabinet issues now the big issue that I'm noticing is how is the company how is Doug over there how are they responding to people who are having issues and I want to read someone's comment about what they went through when they were uh, reaching out to, to, to see what the company would do for them. And all right, this is, this is word for word from a Pinside post. And he writes, after describing to Doug what the issues were, um, at this point, he, when he says he, he's talking about Doug, went into Pinside and the things people are posting on there. He said he has a few employees and friends on there. He said, all these things are completely normal and people need to stop posting. At that point, I told him I was a poster and had posted things on there. He said, people need to understand we make the best pinball machines and this is not like manufacturer's issues or other manufacturer's issues. He said that I need to stop posting. I changed the subject and asked if they were going to send me an email in writing on what we chatted about. He said it will be in the ticket. At this point, he brought up the posting again and began pressing that they do not want people posting issues. I finally had enough and politely said thank you for his time and I'm looking forward to the parts. All right. Now, look, the other thing that we hear is that they're giving people a five-year warranty extension on the game, but they're not really replacing people's play fields if people are unhappy with them. That's a whole other thing we'll talk about in a second. But here's what I want to talk about right now is pinball is a small community. And pinball manufacturers, uh, they are selling to pinball fanatics, and those fanatics live on pin side. Now, Pinside definitely is not uh, all of the people out there who buy new and box pinball machines, but we do know that pinball fanatics and Pinside and podcasts like these and other podcasts out there, we have extraordinary influence on people's decision-making. And we know that if people are having issues with a pinball manufacturer, with quality of a game that will hurt that company's ability to sell games. And so for them to ask people not to post on social media the issues they're having, uh, I I think is an incorrect way to go about it. Uh, And because here's what I was told they're doing is they're basically saying to people, uh, they they want people to call them. They don't want to put things in writing because they don't want uh, people to share the email correspondence on Pinside. Uh, they also don't want people to post on Pinside the issues they're having. They want those people to just deal with them directly. Uh, even if the, um, the 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 dealings are unsatisfactory to the customer, they're asking those people not to share that on Pinside. And look, I, I, I think communication in in the modern day isn't something that you can control you can't contain an issue like this the best thing you can do is try to figure out a solve that makes these customers happy now that's the other part of this that's also interesting is what is a potential solve for people that are having uh, playfield issues. If your playfield is chipping in the shooter lane or in the ball drain area and down the middle, or you know in the scoop areas, and you've your playfield has chipped, and you just spent whatever eight thousand, seven thousand dollars on a pinball machine, and you're not happy that you now have a chipped playfield, what are they supposed to do for you? See, that's the other part of it. I don't know what they're supposed to do. Are they supposed to send you a fully populated? playfield which would be um, super difficult and nobody out there believes that that's a solution because they would they would lose so much money doing that Um, do they send you a playfield a new playfield just so you could have it so that one day if you want to swap out your playfields you could I don't know if that's a solve for people let's be honest I don't think hardly anybody ever in the history of pinball swaps out their play fields it's like this peace of mind thing when people have a backup play field of the game they have it's like they'll, then they'll beat on it because one day in the future they could do a play field swap but we all know that a play field swap is hours and hours of work that's highly technical that 99 of pinball home use owner buyers could never perform a, a play field swap if they tried they just couldn't um so there's You know, I think the most likely solution is that they would send out to customers uh, metal playfield protectors to go over the areas of the game that have chipped away, because oftentimes those playfield protectors will hide the areas that have chipped, and you will never notice it. Okay, you will never ever notice it. Uh, But this issue is something that's happening currently, and it couldn't happen at a worse time. And I'll explain why. If This is happening now, and it does become a bigger issue, and people do lose confidence in Chicago Gaming PPS's ability to stand behind their products. It couldn't happen at a worse time as the company is about to announce Monster Bash Remake and all these other remakes that they're planning to do if those products continue to have Playfield field issues or cabinet issues, or the company is perceived as a company that is bullying its customers around and not standing behind the products, uh, that I think that could could negatively impact them. And I don't think responses like, well, we make the best pinball machines. Like we do 13 layers of clear coding or screen printing and Stern only does five. It's not about how much better you are. You have a customer and the customer has an issue. There's an old saying in business that the customer is always right. And I don't think bragging about what makes your company so amazing and all the things you do clearly shows that it can't be your fault, That's it has to be on the customer's end. I don't think that's the right approach. And I think that it's gonna be interesting to see this way the way this whole thing plays out. Uh, it's always hard for, for us to sort of understand who's to blame here? Uh, because if, if you zoom out, if you zoom out and you look at these things from a bird's eye view, I would also say that pinball machines are, are, are prone to wear. And pinball machines were never meant to be these things that remained perfect. And I think it is such a headache uh, for manufacturers to have to deal with the vocal minority of people who have issues and there will always be issues. When you sell a few thousand of something, there's going to be a few that have issues. It's so frustrating that those vocal minority could scream loud enough to keep potential new buyers away from your machines because the majority of people who have Attack from Mars remakes, uh, they probably don't have any issues. And and that's just the reality of the Internet. And what the Internet does is it creates uh, an imbalanced sort of uh, scenario in which most people think the sky is falling and that all games are having issues. And and they're, they're probably not. They're probably not. Now, here's my recommendation for all of you out there. If you buy a new game, please... Put cliffy protectors in it immediately. Mylar your shooter lane. Or do what I did with Batman. Put a playfield protector in the game. I'll say this. I have nothing but peace of mind knowing that my machine will never chip. It'll never have wear. It'll never dimple. And it plays amazingly well. It plays super smooth. And it'll it'll remain brand new every day I play it. And that peace of mind was worth the $200 that I put spent on the playfield protector and if you if you really want to have a bulletproof game i think you should have the playfield protector i also think that every single manufacturer out there should offer a playfield protector as an option for people to put in their games yes you do get a little bit of dust underneath the playfield protector yes it does scratch a little bit but at the end of the day you won't care because the game will play great it'll look great and it has it gives you one thing it gives you peace of mind so let's see how they handle this uh, i think shame on them for asking people not to post on pin side uh, but i also think the onus is on the buyers a little bit to protect their games and we know the areas of all pinball machines that will wear so don't be shocked if stuff happens to your game and you have no protection in those areas all right let's move on so Jersey Jack Pinball, this is a funny thread. We see these threads every once in a while where someone wrote former dialed-in owner's thread. And the question was very simply, for you guys out there who sold your dialed-ins, why did you sell it? Because I'm thinking of buying one and I want to know like what issues you led you to sell. And there really wasn't there were, there were hardly any responses. I don't think there was any response really from anyone who sold their dialed-ins. We actually don't see dialed-ins come up for sale that often, which is a really good thing. I think that's a testament to how much people are enjoying that game. Here's the other part, though. Who cares what someone else thinks? If, if someone else has a reason why they sold the game, it doesn't mean that you will also uh, feel the same way about the machine. It's, it's also like when you go to a restaurant, you know, and you ask someone, what's your favorite thing on the menu? Who gives a shit what the waiter's favorite thing on the menu is? Do, because you and the waiter are not the same person. What, what if he loves like capers and you don't, and he recommends something with capers on? You know what? It's just, it always boggles my mind. Um, but look, at the end of the day, everyone play the machine. If you like the machine, buy the machine. The other Jersey Jack thread that was kind of funny was, is Jersey Jack Pinball, are they pricing themselves out of business? And I think we've been talking a lot about pinball pricing and where it's going. Uh, Is Jersey Jack pricing itself out of business? And I would say, no, they're not. They're actually pricing themselves to stay in business. Jersey Jack priced themselves at a business when they priced Wizard of Oz at $6,500. At that price point, they couldn't make a single dollar making the Wizard of Oz. The Jersey Jack games are now appropriately priced for what you get in those machines, and just yesterday, I was at Pioneer's Bar, and I was looking at a dialed-in right next to a Batman SLE. And I have to say, $9,000 versus $15,000. I mean, the dialed-in is just jam-packed. There, there, there is no uh, scratching of one's head on in terms of, is this game worth the money? Because I think everything is there. Uh, now, look, you could ask the more macro question, is the pinball hobby going to shrink? if the majority of, of new pinball machines from these new companies uh, cost between eight and $10,000? And the answer is, of course it will. You will always have a larger customer base when your products are cheaper. It just opens the door up for more people to buy. I think a lot of people over the last couple of years are starting to do a more and more waiting on the sidelines because as these games get really expensive what is the point of running after every new inbox game that is available? You really have to make sure you love the game because these things are, are, are really expensive. And I also think people are gonna have a lot harder time selling their machines on the secondhand market. and we're seeing that already. I mean some of these games are losing one to two thousand dollars immediately, and that's a lot of money to lose if you go in on a lot of pinball machines. Uh, but I think Jersey Jack, is appropriately priced. I don't think they're going out of business. I think the fact that Jack has a billionaire investor um, helping the company out now will keep them around for a while, which is a good thing because we all want to get to the to the future titles of Jersey Jack pinball. And I think everyone out there is excited for what's to come. Um, we won't go into the fact that I think knowing what's to come is is Jack's biggest issue. Uh, You know, he wants the excitement to be around Pirates of the Caribbean, but everyone's kind of knowing what Toy Story is and everyone kind of knows what the title after that is too. And one of the mistakes Jack makes, and this just happens with uh, pinball manufacturers in general, is they tell people, they tell people what their next titles are. They go over to some of the homes of their collectors and they reveal what the titles are. And so individuals at Jersey Jack Pinball, I mean, I already know what the game after Toy Story is. And the problem is this. If you know what that game is, then that is going to hurt the sales of Pirates of the Caribbean. And loose lips, you know, sink ships. Is that is that even a phrase or did I just make that up? I don't even know. But I'm just saying that's the problem is, is 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 I feel like people are always excited for the next thing coming from Jersey Jack when they should just be excited for everyone because I do think Jersey Jack right now is bringing the best pinball machines out into the world I, the only issue that I think they face is I think they, they they try to go too far with all the games they put too much in it. They need to focus on making the game as fun as possible, and not just jam packing it with as much code and mechs and toys as possible. Uh, there's there's something they're just they're not quite there in making that game that's just incredibly fun, um, and, and 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 an amazing pinball experience. I I just I, there's always something just quite not there. Um, all right, Stern Pinball. I want to talk about real quick. I played a Batman Super LE last night, and I want to say this. For you guys out there, um, it, it do you get sad when you see an amazing machine on location and it's sort of like beat up and it's sort of got tons of wear? At Pioneer's Bar in New York City, they have a Batman Super Ellie on location. And having one in my bedroom and then going there and playing theirs, it always makes me sad to see a pin that I know how great it can play and I know how great it can look and I know how great it can be. And then playing the same pin on location and everything about the location pin is just beat up and rough around the edges. You know, the play field's got tons of craters. The flipper powers are weak. The lighting is bad. The, you know, the the, the rubbers are all worn. And, you know, there's a ball stuck in, a, in an area. Uh, there were hangups happening. And it's just like, oh man, like pinball machines just, they just take a beating on location. So, it's just it's always, you're always gonna get the best experience when you play it in someone's home and, and the game is really like well taken care of I just still I still think al is crazy for putting a Batman Sle out on location um, all right so let's talk about iron Maiden and Deadpool because I want to give you guys here's here's everything I know here's everything I know about these two titles uh, I've seen some stuff I've I've sort of heard many rumors, but I want to just go down quickly so you can hear it on Canada's Pinball Podcast. Here's what we know about Iron Maiden and Deadpool. All right, Deadpool was originally designed by uh, no other than Mr. Uh, John Trudeau. John Trudeau was working on Deadpool with Zombie Yeti, and for obvious reasons, he was yanked from the product. I heard the game, it was either finished by Borg or Gomez, or maybe they collaborated to finish the design. Um, Deadpool is based on the comic book uh, of Deadpool. It is not based on the Ryan Reynolds movies, okay? So you're going to see on the Deadpool play field, you're going to see X-Men characters. You're going to see Wolverine drawn in Zombie Yeti artwork. So Zombie Yeti is the artist, and it is very, very cool. Um, So that is what Deadpool will be and you're also going to see another very interesting like sword lock mechanism on the game where you're going to see you know Deadpool's like saber that he uses sword is like his like samurai sword now you're going to see a ball lock on one of those things again which is very cool. Um, That's all I'm going to tell you right now I mean I'm not going to tell you anything else Um, I'm not going to share with the photo with anybody. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going into it, but here's the thing. So many people I know have the photo. I mean, it's like this thing that's just getting passed around, passed around. Now it's an early photo. It's like a white wood with, with, with just some sketches on top of it. Um, it's not the final thing, but, um, interesting layout, a little wide open, uh, you know, stern layouts seem to be very wide open, but, um, that's Deadpool and it's, it's not coming out yet, but it should be pretty far along because I know they, they, they were designed the game for a while before Trudeau had to get yanked off it. All right, Iron Maiden is coming out first. Iron Maiden will most likely be shown at TPF. We'll probably see it a week or two before TPF, which is probably maybe any day now. Um, Iron Maiden is Keith Elwin's game. Iron Maiden is a reskin or retheme of his Archer game. So if you go Google Keith Elwin Archer, you will see pretty much the layout of Iron Maiden. You are also going to get a killer art package from Zombie on the game. I'm also hearing that Iron Maiden is based on an Iron Maiden album, that the game itself is based on one of the Iron Maiden albums. Now, which Iron Maiden album is it based on? I'm not an Iron Maiden fan, but I'm going to Google Iron Maiden albums. And let's right now, and I'll tell you which one I'm, I'm rumored that it's based on. I'm being told it is possibly going to be based on Iron Maiden's album, The Book of Souls, which is a 2015 album. So um, I'm not sure if that's what you fans want it. I'm not sure. If the, it'll probably have, t- you know, songs from other albums, but they might, maybe that's just like the art package of, of what, maybe there's going to be different uh, albums that have different art packages. I'm not sure. But that is what we know about Iron Maiden. Uh, I also know that Keith Elwin is working on the rule set and might even be working on the coding of the game. Um, we are going to see it any day now. These rumors and these speculations and everything we know, it's like, who cares, like just show the games. I, I, I kind of wish we didn't have to do this all the time on every game. Um, so that is what we're going to probably get. And those are probably going to be the next two Stern titles, Iron Maiden, into Deadpool, into Beatles, into Monsters, and that is your year for Stern Pinball. Uh, they do not have like a Juggernaut A license coming out um, unless you consider Iron Maiden to be a Juggernaut A license. So that's everything we know so far. We might see more information on uh, This Week in Pinball when they talk about their rumors on Thursday. All right, let's move on to Spooky Pinball. So Spooky, so I heard basically... You know what broke up Charlie and Ben, you know, it like severed the relationship once and for all, uh, what created the ultimate walking away point. It came down to one thing. It came down to $500, 500 bucks between a $500 difference. Um, they couldn't see eye to eye and they decided to part ways. Now I haven't listened to the Charlie Emery interview on head to head pinball. It's over there now, you can check it out. I've invited Charlie on this show many, many times. It's nothing personal. I just don't think he, he wants to come on this show. I don't think he ever will. I'm always friendly with Charlie at shows. I think he's still a little bit pissed at me because um, I scooped them on their Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle announcement at TPF last year. But again, same thing, loose lips. They went around telling a lot of people that they thought were like close friends and those people told people and those people told me. And that's what happens. You, you tell people things thinking that they're going to keep it confident. Whenever you tell a pin side fanatic, I hey, don't tell anyone. The first thing they do is they tell their five pinball buddies who all say well, like, I won't say anything. And then those five guys tell their five friends. And before you know it, hundred people know about the information, but again, it doesn't matter. It didn't cost them any sales. Um, I think Charlie's doing it right. I think Alice Cooper is going to come out right after TPF. Um, but we're not talking about Alice Cooper. We're talking about the $500 that separated Charlie and Ben now. You might be asking, what do you mean $500? So basically, Ben was working on his new game. It was it was a horror-based theme. I don't know what the theme is, um, but it was horror-based. I think Ryan C. over at Head to Head Pinball knows what the theme is. He just won't tell me. So if you want to hit someone up, hit him up. Um, but here's, here's what happened. They needed $500 to add to the bomb to get, um, I believe, the voice actors to do the game right. Or something, maybe it wasn't the voice acting, but they needed $500 more per game to to secure the license properly. And Charlie would not budge on letting Ben raise the price of the machine by $500. He wouldn't budge. He's like, that's it. I'm not raising the price of the game. We won't do it. And because of that, they called it quits on the project. Now, here's the thing. Here's the question for you guys out there. Is $500 uh, in addition to Spooky's price, is that a deal breaker for people to buy the game? Does Charlie know the marketplace well enough that he knows people will not absorb that kind of price increase? Or is Charlie being stubborn and small-minded and making a decision that is preventing his company from growing? And that is really, I think, see, I think Charlie's at that crossroads. And I've said it before, I think he's being stubborn I think he's not realizing that to make the games better he's going to have to increase the price of the machines because he's not going to be able to make the games physically better or make the experiences much better unless he invests more in the product and then he also needs to charge more for that product but for some reason. I think he's just hellbent on keeping prices at a certain point, and I think he's hellbent on keeping the bomb at a certain level, and I don't think he wants to grow or or heavily invest more in the games. Or maybe, maybe he's figured out a better way to do it without having to add too much to the bomb, and maybe we're going to see the proof in the pudding uh, with Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, because we know the price of that game is not significantly more than Rob Zombie. I believe it's $6,800. Now look. If, if he had given in to Ben and they brought out a machine that was $7,300, uh, do you think it would have been a deal breaker? It's hard to say, right? We don't know what the theme is. We don't know what the game is. I'll say this. I don't think $7,300, I don't think $7,500 seems like a lot of money for a spooky pinball machine. I, I think so many games now are costing so much more money. Uh, that if the game was somewhat limited, I think people would definitely go in on it. But Charlie's probably looking at it from, you know, Stern pinball machines are still, the pros are still around like $5,200, 5500 bucks. I really don't want to start selling machines at $2,000 more than that. Now I'm competing with Stern premiums and I'm not quite sure that's what I want to compete with. Because Charlie, you know, they don't have... 20 titles. They don't have 10 titles. They don't have a huge assembly line that can simply throw some vault editions on there. No one's ever going to buy a vault of Rob Zombie or America's Most Haunted. Charlie needs to make sure that every game is successful and every game works. So if he thought that Ben's game at that price point wasn't going to sell, it's too much to risk. Now the question then becomes: Is what is after uh, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle? The thing I've always been wondering too is like if he didn't get TNA, I mean, Spooky Pinball would have probably been in trouble over the last year because Rob Zombies had finished being produced, Alice Cooper wasn't ready to go on the line, and then Charlie has basically a factory making nothing for months and months and months. Um, now, I think his response to that is well, we would have we would have hurried up and got Alice Cooper out the door faster and having TNA on the line has allowed us to make Alice Cooper better. So that's great and all, but I, I just wonder like what's next because I think Spooky is like they're they're at the crossroad. They are either going to grow and become a little bit of a bigger pinball manufacturer or I think they're going to get stuck. And I don't want to see them get stuck in this like marketing position where they're just making like horror, spooky themed games, um, you know, because they haven't had any new people come to them to contract manufacture games, right? Remember, they had Jetsons, they had Domino's, they had other companies coming to them to make pinball machines, uh, but we haven't seen any of those sort of contract manufacturing titles come to Spooky. There are some games out there that would benefit from a contract manufacturer like Spooky to make their games, stuff like The Nightmare Before Christmas, stuff like um, Wooly, Wrath of Olympus, right? So, we'll see what this future holds for Spooky. Um, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting that him and Ben have parted ways. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone's ever going to make Bible Adventures. We saw someone start a thread about that, and most people said they would never buy it. Uh, I think that it's sad losing Ben from the pinball hobby because I think Ben is such a great personality. He's such a great person. I think he's a great collaborator, and I think he has a lot of good ideas. Um, you know, but look, You know, money changes everything and business is business. And this probably was just a business decision that they made. And I don't know the business as well as they do. I don't. I don't know the business as well as Stern does or Jersey Jack. I am simply a boy with a headset on in my apartment. Uh, I do know marketing pretty well. I, I think I do. Um, And I think Spooky would be um, wise to broaden the kinds of titles and themes they bring to the marketplace. All right. So let's talk quickly about American Pinball. The games are still trickling out, trickling out. I mean, I think there might have been a delay. We don't know what it is, Uh, but new owners are getting the machine slowly and they're they're sort of uploading uh, what their experiences are with the machine. And look, here's the thing. People are having some issues with the game. Not major issues, but things need to be tweaked out of the box. And if you go in on a Houdini and think you won't have to tweak the game a little bit or there's not going to be some issues, it's the first pin from a new company that has never mass produced any pinball machines before. You are going to be somewhat of a guinea pig. You are going to have to do some things to that pin to make it play right. Um, But nothing seems to be major. All right. So there's nothing that should have you like wanting to cancel your order or get out. So I think that's a a good sign. And we look forward to more people playing Houdini. Uh, I hope to play it at TPF uh, and, you know, the faster they can get these games out, the better. All right, nothing really new going on in the Alien or Dutch pinball worlds. I think we've covered them significantly. Uh, I look forward to hanging out with Robert Mueller over at Deeproot at TPF. Hopefully, we can you know find some time just sit down and chat. You know, I've, look, I've been sort of negative Nelly on a lot of like Deeproot and 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 what their plans are. Uh, But I've sort of like woken up and just I've I've sort of I'm asking, you know, as I think about like, well, what's what what am I most curious and what am I most excited to see happen? And I have to say, I'm very curious as to what they will develop. I think we have a lot of time before we see the results of the things they're talking about. I definitely wouldn't have said some of the bigger and bolder statements about, you know, Stern is going to find it hard to compete with them. But look, at the end of the day, I think these guys are very adamant and they seem very confident in what they're gonna about to go do and even somewhat crazy about what their plans are. Um, but you know, look, I've always said it in the world of business, it's only the crazy, angry people that change the world and and flip uh, industries on their heads and we'll see what happens. I, and there's nothing you know there's no reason for us to be negative anymore. I mean, if you're in on a zidware game, uh, I, I think you're you're the only people that have a, a personal sort of uh, connection to what they're doing, and it's up to you on whether or not you think this is your best chance, or you still want to go in on a lawsuit. But we're gonna, I think we're gonna have some months go by before we see anything really develop there. All right, I'm trying to think if there's anything else going on in the pinball world. I think that's it. I think we covered it on this short little digestible episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. I will be at TPF. So if you are there, uh, I look forward to meeting a lot of you and hanging out. Um, I also might want to go, there's like this Mopar Dodge car show in Dallas. that Saturday morning. I might have to hit that up. You know, three days of pinball shows. It's I don't know about you guys, but for, just from a hygiene standpoint, it's usually too much for me. It's too much. Um, everyone have a great day and we'll talk to you soon.